This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagaan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte when the public pays the public is served and when corporations and governments pay the corporations and governments are served through the advertisements. On that note welcome to the hafta I'm Abhinandan Sekri. Today is a special hafta because I had a disagreement with two of our subscribers or rather they had a disagreement with me and then I had a disagreement with their emails Swati and Shoyuni and I've been pronouncing her name Sayani all this time so I had a conversation with them earlier and we will include that in the hafta because uh, I thought their mails are very were very well articulated even if I disagreed with some elements and I must say the conversation was extremely delightful and very um I learned a lot uh so i think we should do this more often so today on the hafta panel there will be shoyuni there will be swati and i usually send al chokri a managing editor raman kripal anand vardhan a in house opinion writer and tr vivek who has recently won the red ink award for his story on the kaveri congratulations vivek thank you very much and thank you for doing that story for news laundry Vivek is a journalist for over 20 years he's the co-author of the book cricket and commerce ipl and inside story He writes for several publications. He's worked in organizations such as Asia Net News, Economic Times, and Open Magazine. He's written our award-winning piece, of course, and um, he continues to write and freelance. I hope he does. Also, Madhu and Manisha will be unable to join us for today's hafta, although they were scheduled to. Uh, there have been certain uh, emergencies that they've had to go deal with, so we don't have uh, the full strength, in-house strength that was planned today. This is what we're going to be discussing today. BS Yadurappa resigns as Karnataka Chief Minister head of the Trust Vote meanwhile Kumar Swami is invited from the government and he is sworn in in this dramatic show of strength with all the regional party leaders from across the country as part of that oath taking ceremony sterlite protests turn violent in fact very violent in Tamil Nadu 11 killed is the article in front of me but this morning's news i saw it's gone up to 13 right and there's been some fresh violence this morning as well in fact this is 11 is from yesterday and we are recording this on wed We're recording this on Thursday, so till Wednesday night it was 11. This morning it's 13. Uh, we don't know where it's going to go from here. So Tamil Nadu government has got a notice from the centre and the NHRC after the anti-sterilite protest on violent. Uh, the Madras High Court has issued an interim stay on the expansion of the copper plant, which is in the midst of this controversy, which is in a place called Thootukudi. Then the hike in fuel prices has dominated headlines. and has been the subject of memes and whatsapp forwards and in fact the one that was sent to me by 10 different people i think same whatsapp forward na ghoom phir ke aata rehta hai wapas aapko is this poster of modi uh, you know i think yahan par aims ke paas bhi laga tha bahut hui petrol diesel ki maar ab ki baar modi sarkar to us par to maine phir maine bola yaar mujhe 10 baar aa chuka hai band bhi karo bhejna aur same group mein log aise gadhe hain आप एक ग्रुप में हो किसी ने ऑलरेडी ये पोस्टर उसमें डाल दिया है मतलब चार घंटे बाद आप भी पेल रहे हो यू आर पार्ट ऑफ फोर ग्रुप्स ना तो चारों ग्रुप में आपको याद भी नहीं एक तो ना और जब आप अगर ग्रुप से निकलो तो वो फिर ऐड कर देते हैं देन इट्स रूड टू कीप गेटिंग आउट ऑफ ग्रुप्स एनीवे सो वी विल हैव समथिंग ऑन ऑन द फ्यूल प्राइस हाइक देन देन देयर इज अ हीरोइक स्टोरी ऑफ नर्स लिनी हु डाइड व्हाइल केयरिंग फॉर समवन विद द डेडली वायरस कॉल्ड निपा दैट्स एन आई पी ए एच Uh, which apparently comes from bats and uh, there's been an outbreak in a very localized area in Kerala um so apparently it's under control but it is something that could be very deadly so this has been also in the headlines 
and uh, naxalism in Chhattisgarh makes news again rears its ugly head killing six policemen and injuring one uh, the combat force black panthers to come to chhattisgarh and it's going to be along the lines of the greyhound unit in andhra pradesh uh, let's see where this goes and they blow up a bjp mp's farmhouse ahead of cm raman singh's visit then there's the rohingya militants who massacre hindus in myanmar our ministry has come with a report i think over 100 is that right 100 hindus killed by radical uh, islamic 99 by radical islamic rohingya militants and there's the usual good news of state bank of india reporting huge net losses but i think right now we'll just restrict our conversation to these four or five things because we have a long conversation with two subscribers on gender so let's start so congratulations vivek on your award thank you very much and i hope you will be doing part 2 i would like to tell our subscribers that we are i think 20 or 30000 rupees short of the nl sena for part 2 of kaveri which vivek will undertake hopefully soon uh, and these kind of stories are expensive to do uh, he takes out almost a month of his life to go out and travel there and write the story so it should be well resourced so tell us vivek um how was your experience of the, doing the story and what do you plan to do with the next part what's going to be different uh, see vilandan the, the the idea behind doing the story was to answer some questions for myself you know um you know because uh, i i give some personal background in the story itself that i come from the tamil nadu side of the kaveri basin you know uh, my family roots are in the kaveri delta you know and the river has played a very very large part in uh, part in my in my sort of you know upbringing uh, you know cultural life uh, of our family and extended families etc so it's very the river is very close to my heart and uh, you know there's always this myth about uh, you know conflict you know that it's a greedy karnataka that you know keeps us poor and it's it's impoverishing our culture by stopping uh, what is rightfully due to us so I, i i wanted some answers for myself you know i wanted to see if there is uh, any truth to uh, this perception and uh, you know thereby i wanted to tell a story you know once right i i wanted to share the answers that i found with uh, with others i think one of the one of the reasons you know i i also feel very strongly that one of the purposes of journalism today you know in the in the kind of world that we live in it's important to explore areas of concord and empathy rather than sharpen the divides right you no know? in the polarizing times we live in so yes. in this next part so you... this, this, this this was one such effort you know a very small personal effort to do that and in the next part any particular segments you're looking forward to when you travel uh, you know i i am myself looking forward to going back uh, you know to the places uh, with which i have very strong uh, you know childhood associations you know uh, the kind of food the language the music that i have grown up with you know they've been very large influences on me and uh, you know you know kaveri is the lifeblood of everything you know of, of that culture it's a very very ancient culture you know the sculptures the temples uh the faith the belief system you know the, the waters of that river irrigate everything these are not just you know inanimate agricultural fields that are watered by the river so i am personally looking forward to uh going there and you know sort of refreshing my memory it will also be 
very painful because the landscape has changed considerably you know um, over the last 20 years you know it, it's it's the riverbed is completely barren and bone dry and uh, you know uh, you you can actually uh, there is no sand left on the riverbeds it's it's mm. really heartbreaking to see the river the state that it is but right. uh, we have a job to do and i'll yes. do that so um, to our listeners vivek's part 1 he traveled along the river on the karnataka side and now in part 2 he'll be traveling along the tamil nadu side do pitch in for the sanel sena project because it is only through reports like this that we can actually do way more for journalism and that can only be done if it's well funded by you the viewers and listeners uh, and readers of news laundry a quick announcement at this point many of you have been asking us to better our content delivery they said our content to acha le ke hum tak pahunchta nahi you know through newsletters and whatsapp to newsletter to humne chalu ki hai we'll be doing more but we're starting a whatsapp service so that you can you know find and consume our content easier we've started the news laundry whatsapp channel subscribe to the whatsapp channel and you'll get daily updates in podcasts videos texts and comics so we'll try to restrict the number to 2 3 updates a day taki aapke whatsapp mein hum spam na pelne like those annoying family groups but you will get you know updates of stuff that we think is consumer worthy and you will enjoy so to subscribe to our whatsapp channel open your whatsapp and text start that is s t a r t start Two plus nine one. That is the country code. Plus nine one. The number is double nine double nine six one four zero eight seven. I repeat, double nine double nine six one four zero eight seven. That's the WhatsApp number. If you want to add the country code, it is plus nine one. And to this number, please text start S T A R T, and you will get all the updates through WhatsApp. So receive our broadcasts via WhatsApp. yet another little thing we're doing to reach out to more of you so before i get into the rest of the discussion uh, let's just you know cut to my conversation with shoyani and swati on gender and why the news laundry panels are so problematic it was a fantastic discussion so here we are with our two subscribers who uh, wrote very eloquent and well uh, argued mails and because the criticism often has been that uh, news laundry's panels do not have enough representation of the female gender i thought what better way to fix this than get such brilliant minds who write to us and other subscribers so why only lean on our subscribers for money might as well lean on them for some very intelligent and well articulated views so i have two subscribers here who have written to me in the past Shayani um, scolding me, uh, and and Swati indulging me and explaining to me like I'm a child. Ki bhai, this is why you're wrong. But let me introduce both you, Shayani and Swati. Uh, Shayani is joining us via Skype because she's not in the country. Swati is sitting right next to me in our studio. Swati works as a consultant for research projects related to education with the World Bank and IFMR. It stands for the in- Institute for Financial Management and Research. Is this related to Takshila Institute, the one in the south? I don't think so. No, it's not related to that one. Okay, so yeah, so that's what she does, and she's worked with non-profit organizations in education. Uh, she's worked with the Kevalya Education Foundation, Indian School of Leadership Institute, for six years. She's studied economics from University of Delhi, and recently did her master's in education policy from the Graduate School of Education at Harvard University. She will be starting her PhD 
this fall. Welcome, Swati. Thank you. It's Thank you for taking here. the time and trying to fix the Haftas panels with with a better, well-articulated view than what we have been offering. And joining us from the states is Shayani, who I've been calling Sayani all these uh, days on the Hafta when she's been writing mails to us. Shayani Dasgupta is a medical writer on scientific services at Virgo Healthcare for the last six months. Previously, she was the editor with Harrison and Star. And postdoctorate at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, she's done a PhD in biochemistry from the National Institute of Immunology. Wow! Welcome, Shayani. Happy to be here. And I'm Abhinandan Sekri. I'm second division pass economics honors BA. That's it. I've not done anything after that. I started working uh, before I graduated, so I'm sorry I may not have as much to offer as fair of degrees. But hopefully, I will try to convince you why I was, what I was saying about gender. But first. Uh, let me start with you, Shaino. You're far away. Mm-hmm. Could you just kind of frame the debate on why uh, you thought that my views on gender were, uh, you know, the usual Indian spiel one gets, and where I was wrong, and then Swati can come in, and and then we can take it forward from there. I personally uh, think that Anil Hafta is in a position to shape opinions. It certainly does shape my opinions. I listen to her critique of the good, credible information, balanced opinions, and based on what I hear. I make informed decisions about topics I'm not well versed about, and I'm sure that is true for many other subscribers too. So I think since you're in a position to shape opinions, healthcare panelists uh, should frame their arguments around gender matters more responsibly. And I don't think it's responsible that panelists should qualify their remarks with incidents of women giving sexual favors every time sexual harassment at workplace gets discussed. In my opinion, that. Just muddies the conversation, and especially since it's not one hour or two two hour long conversation, maybe at best a ten or fifteen minute discussion. So I think hmm. it's better to stay on point for those fifteen minutes and not muddy the conversation with with uh, with what I would say exceptional cases. Got it. Swati, your view, you had, um, sorry, you had said who had? Um, Sneha. Sneha had made a distinction between the male you sent and the male Shayani sent. Uh, no. You had so, made the distinction. Yeah, so, yeah. so it started with uh, a conversation on Hafta, I forget which one, in which um, this question was raised, and I think it was raised by Madhu, about uh, uh, in situations where women either willingly uh, provide sexual favors or um, they respond to to sort of advances, advances etc. Um, should or should we not judge them? And in response to that, Sneha wrote in, yes, we should. Hmm. Uh, because um, these women are exercising, I'm paraphrasing, these women are exercising a form of privilege. They are bringing something to the table that um, other men may not, I mean, don't have. And other women may not choose to bring that to the table. Sure. And uh, Shayoni's uh, email said the opposite, saying that, no, we should not judge them. And it was quite well articulated um, lots of and I, I mean she can articulate that better but what she was saying is that basically it's not really a choice because the, the power differentials between the person who is availing of sure. the sexual favor and one who is providing it is really salient to the conversation so if you don't mention that then you know you're yeah, taking I mean, it out of con- if context if you take the extreme example of Bill Clinton and a 21 year old intern exactly so yeah. it's not really yeah a, that's consensual but I mean but it's, it's a clear abuse true. of power right sure. um, so m- m- my and in your critique of Shayani's email, you said, I mean, you described it as hysterical. Hmm. That was one of the words that you used. And um, I think Anand used something, I mean, he's not here, hmm. so I'm, I may hmm. be uh, misquoting him, but he said something like, you know, I don't believe in sort of puritanism or something, right. you know, so, so it's, not a, it's not about morality. It's just about, you know, f- fairness. And hmm. uh, it's unfair that some, that people 
bring yeah. certain privileges. Yeah, that's what he's articulating. It's yeah. not a moral issue. It's a question. Exactly. Of so I took issue with the fact that you. So both these emails were pretty. I mean, they were pretty clear. Both Sneha's email and Shaini's email were pretty clear in what they were saying. I don't think either of them took a conciliatory tone. You know, neither of them was like on one hand and you know, but mm. on the other hand. But I think your criticism of Shaini was more. You know, well, you you referred to it as hysterical, and um, that for me, the use of the word hysterical uh, was, you know, the, the word is loaded. Mm. Um, it is a gendered term. Um, and I also didn't think that that critique was held any weight because they were both kind of taking fairly firm positions. Right. So I'll, I'll first of all, I want to also just mention this one more email that we've received from Remya Sasindran. And uh, I had said last time that hysterical isn't a gendered word because I use it all the time for, um, you know, my friend Jaggi sometimes, you know, on, on issues of Hinduism, I've, I find his reaction hysterical or... Um, many of our TV anchors, you know, most of whom are male. Um, hysterical like so, crazy, not funny. No, but hysterical as in the over-top response, which is disproportionate to, you know, the, the force applied from the other side. So uh, Remya has actually sent me an article from The Guardian, which kind of goes into the etymology of the word hysterical. And uh, she corrects me. She's saying it is actually a gendered word. The word comes from the Latin hystericus which translates to of the womb. And this is a condition thought to be exclusive to women, sending them uncontrollably and neurotically insane owing to a dysfunction in the uterus, the removal of which is still called a hysterectomy. Uh, so that I is the etymology that. of the word. And the word loony also comes from lunacy, a monthly periodic insanity believed to be triggered by the moon cycle, which is a you know reference to the periods women get. So, okay, I stand corrected. The etymology of the word uh, is clearly gendered. My usage of it, I don't believe was. Now, I just want to, you know, make a distinction so that this, you know, when we try to make one conversation about everything, it kind of goes all over the place. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Shoyani and Swathi. Uh, we discussed gender in these four things we were discussing. One was the Raya Sarkar list that, that had come, that we were discussing that. One during the Babe article on the comedian Aziz Ansari, I think is his name. Correct, you know, that, yeah. That then we discussed it a third time and Al Franken and uh, Weinstein, Al Franken had to resign. I was taking the American example that hmm. a comedian who made this obviously inappropriate gesture and clicked a photograph uh, being kind of thrown in with a rapist, uh, I thought was completely out of line. And of course, the Me Too movement, the, the speech at the Oscars and the Saroj Khan's comments. These are the five times that uh, I thought we discussed gender. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, I want to make, you know, one thing to Shoyani's point. I completely agree. And I'll make a, a, a parallel conversation. I remember I had a huge debate with a colleague of mine here in office because we had received a piece after the Charlie Hebdo, uh, you know, murders happened on the aesthetics of their cartoons. And um, the New York Times carried a piece on that. I think even The Guardian did, if I'm not wrong. And I thought it was ridiculous to be discussing the aesthetics. And I agree, their aesthetics weren't always great. Uh, and they were, you know, unfunny baiting. But when five men have been, uh, five people or seven people have been killed, that is not the time to discuss the aesthetics of their work. Similarly, I think, Shani, what you're trying to say is when we are talking about a woman's complaint against harassment or rape or Mito Weinstein, at that time to talk about, you know, the counter narrative that this also happens is the equivalent. Is that right? And, and I agree that's out of line if that's what happened. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. Yes, so yes. on that, I have no debate. Absolutely. If tomorrow there is a case of rape or, you know, inappropriate behavior against a woman, perpetrated against a woman by, by a powerful man, at that time to bring this in, I, I agree. Uh, but I think, 
like for example on saroj khan's comments at that time in that context in that context i don't think it is out of line to bring in that what some would consider consensual some would say it's not consensual i don't think there it's inappropriate during weinstein i completely agree with you it's inappropriate um so i'm not sure if it happened at that time so that's that's my first piece and on the second bit uh, and i'm sorry soyoni if i uh, my the user was hysterical um, was clearly gendered and a guy telling a girl to calm down which is not what i intended i was definitely not aware of that so <laughs> so, okay. so we all live and learn but you know my point is that um i understand i'm a man growing up in a world optimized for men although i must say any architects listening to this the way you design loose is fucking ridiculous because every hotel i've been to even the some of these colleges where i go to lecture the loose door should open towards the wall side you know where the wall is not towards where the urinals are cuz guys urinals are open so everyone someone walks in and out you, they just see these guys standing in a line peeing so but other than that i think the that's why that's you know, how i know that i shouldn't go in there cuz that's <laughs> <laughs> but other than that the world is optimized for men you know whether it is policy whether it is organizations whether it is the use of our language so i understand in the larger context but i think what happens like in the case of raya sarkar list or in the case of the babe article when someone tells me now look at this this is a part of the me to campaign i would consider myself a feminist and and you know i've been brought up by a strong independent working woman uh, and two older sisters who would you know paint nail varnish on my nails and send me to school and not let tell me how to remove it i used to keep trying to wash it off in an all boys boarding you can imagine how <laughs> so i i i completely get it but i think if one was to put everything into the same category you will lose a lot of people including someone like me because i'm saying you know raya sarkar's list maybe may have a lot of merit in it but to put it something like this up koi bhi us pe kuch bhi pehl do or the aziz ansari case it was a horrible date obviously he's a dick there's a problem with the way men expect sex as a right just because they take a woman out for dinner of course that's a problem but that is not the same thing to like what soyani says that bringing in that counter narrative what what anand was bringing in during a discussion on on women is bad so is bringing in something like the babe article during a me to movement i think there's an equivalence there shayani uh, correct me if i'm wrong on that um i will agree and disagree with you mm-hmm. so i agree that um, merging the aziz ansari case into me too was not appropriate it was not what he did was bad and it was more outrageous to people because he positions himself as this modern man who understands the nuances of modern day very well but i would definitely not club it with me too but i would disagree on the rasakar list because many names on that list were of people who have if not raped their students but sexually harassed them at some point or the other in academic circles and that makes for a very uncomfortable position in my opinion uh, why i say this that because um, i will bring a personal anecdote here so i'm sure you all remember the atul jori case from jnu Yes. This guy had been accused of uh, sexual harassment by eight students. Yes. So I was talking to a friend who was from JNU and who has been in the same department, who was in the same department where Atul Jori worked, and she told me that these whispers, these rumors, have been going on for years now. Women have talked about these to their friends, to their colleagues, but never mustered the courage to go up to institutional authorities because one, they had no faith in due process, and two, they were always afraid of victim blaming. So, you know, being sexually harassed in a lab space. in an academic setting which was what the rasakar list talked about is definitely more closely related to the me too movement 
than Aziz Ansari. I would say that. I see. Uh, Swati? Yeah, a few things. So first to um, just the question of timing. Like should you bring up these, the lesser quote-unquote offences um, or the situations in which there is it's not clearly coercive. It, there appears to be some discretion exercised by the woman as well. So I don't think it's a question of timing. I think it's a question of how you're framing what you're saying. When women sign up for work, when they take on work, they do it because they want to work. They don't do it because they want to have sex with their bosses, right? So I, 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 these women are not becoming PhD scholars because they're, they're not signing up to sleep with their supervisors. Sure. Um, so to frame that as a choice, to call, to say that there is some degree of discretion in this without pointing out in the same breath that there is a clear imbalance of power, um, uh, I think is wrong. So it's not so much about talking about it when there are more severe cases of violent abuse and you're kind of like taking the limelight away from those. Um, but it's also about recognizing that, um, you know, the, the degree of choice that this person is exercising in the situation is not as much as you are making it out to be. So that's my so that's that's my sort of piece on that. What was the other thing? The other thing uh, I said about the Raya Sarkarlison babe article getting clubbed. See, my question with this: Who is doing the clubbing? Like, I think there's a lot of sort of there is more alarmism about the clubbing or lumping of these things than there is actually clubbing or lumping of these things. I okay. think women women know the difference. I I don't think there is. Who are these people who are saying that lock Aziz Ansari up, put him through like a, a court case or whatever? The movement is is by women and uh, you could extend it to say people, you know, transgender people, etc. a lot more to a lesser degree. But it's by women for women. It's a way to express solidarity. It's a way to say that, you know, what you're going through, I'm going through it as well. And just because it doesn't destroy your life doesn't mean it's not worth complaining about. Right. So it's not a replacement for you know, due process. It's not a replacement for courts. It's not a replacement for any of these things. It's a reaction to sort of years of this kind of stuff not being acknowledged and women not having the space to voice their concerns about a range of um, sort of transgressions that have been made against them. Um, okay, uh, that that's a view that's been articulated to me by another person, a friend, just the other day. Um, you know, the bit that you said that they don't sign up to have sex, they've signed up mm. to do a job and in that situation they find themselves cornered. So it's not really, discretion hasn't been exercised in, in a completely equal manner. I, I take that. So who's doing the clubbing? Um, in the US context when Al Franken's photograph came out, Shoyan, you know the photograph I'm talking about? Um, so Al Franken is a you know comedian, was a comedian, writer, producer and he became a senator from Minnesota. Minnesota. And he had to resign because when he was a comedian, he had gone to, um, um, you know, I think Iraq, Afghanistan, these comedians and these performers go to entertain and, you know, build the morale of their troops. And uh, one of his co-performers was a former playmate, playboy playmate. And she said that he wrote a skit because he was a writer in which he was supposed to kiss her and she refused to do that. And on the flight, he had a photograph, you know, because they're all wearing bomber jackets, so safety jackets and all. So she has this jacket on. She's sleeping. Obviously, they're really tired. So he's like, there's no contact, but he's like pretending to grope her uh, breasts. So he has both his hands there cupped and he's laughing. So this is when they had gone on their tour of duty. And he resigned finally as senator. Though I think there were more allegations. I don't think it's just the photograph. Well, um, there were two more allegations later, but he resigned after this, when the pressure built up. And he, at that time, there was this other case of, I think, um, uh, Mississippi a senator who was accused of rape and also sex with underage minors. And he, the Republican said, it's the same. And 
well, he did resign, which uh, in my view was ridiculous. I mean, he should have apologized. It was a completely inappropriate thing to do, but it's not the same thing as what, you know, uh, the others did. So there was an equivalence there. And the second, oh, and in the Indian context, I wrote this piece for which I got a lot of flack from, um, it's called When a Court Decision on Rape Became Fodder for TV Debate. So this is when the Mahmood Farooqi decision came out. And I was watching uh, television that night. Uh, I've reduced my frequency of watching primetime debates. And at that time, every channel across the board, it was saying, it was like this black and white situation where, and the word, the quote that I've used uh, in the piece is that everything that happens after now is rape, like everything. And I thought it was a completely ridiculous, you know, position. Most of the people, and, and I understand in conversations, aggression and confidence beat substance. So I'll try to tone down my aggression because I have two very articulate young ladies here with me. And if I just start shouting, then that same shit, what I accuse Sohail Setov, I'll be doing. But I thought it was a completely idiotic discussion because not everybody who is involved in a physical intimate situation is, uh, in my case, over 40 in your cases, maybe in your late 20s or mid-20-year-old adults. They are 17, 18-year-old children. I've been young, and I know a lot of people have been young. And at that time, when a no becomes a yes, or when one says no, or do you even know what the hell you're doing, is really confusing. So I was watching that debate, and I was saying there are 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds watching this. And the way it's been framed is as if it's any physical intimacy is preceded by a conversation by two articulate informed adults of 30 plus and i stand by that so yeah um the al franken case is where the equivalence happened which i thought was wrong and this debate is in india where there was just was one broad brush they painted everything that happens after no and i mean i don't want to be too descriptive about it but i'll leave it to our listeners imagination that there are many cases when you're a teen you go to a up to a certain point and then you back off because there's nervousness and then an hour or two later you know you re-establish intimacy and it, it, there are many phases that go up and down you know once you're later in an adult you know you got your shit sorted but earlier you don't and I just thought that debate completely pretended that didn't even exist Shoyani, um please go um, on the Al Franken case uh, I, I would say that you were outraged at the resignation well, I would have been more outraged if he was stood behind bars, which he was not. And I think the resignation was completely legitimate. Because from the point of, point of view of the woman, it's absolutely humiliating to see your pictures where somebody is pretending to broke you. So I disagree with the equivalence that the Republicans brought in uh, between having sex with a minor and posing for ridiculous pictures. But then he was not put behind bars, right? He was just made to resign, which I think it's 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 fine. And he apologized only when those when somebody complained, when those pictures came into light. He did not apologize out of his own volition or because he had a change of heart. So right. see why there's a problem in him, him resigning. That was an absolutely that that was that was the right thing to do. And I'm glad that people brought that up. But yeah, I agree that um, making an equivalence between terribly sexist pictures and having sex with a minor, which is Oh, which is um, again, statutory rape, rape yeah. are two different things and one should not you know uh, equate the two uh, as far as as your piece is concerned well again I don't watch television debates uh, completely ridiculous speech affairs but I think the outrage against your piece was more in light of the Supreme Court decision I think where they said something like it was a feeble no and that's why we cannot indict Mahmoud Farouk any longer hmm. so I think that outrage was more in that context and less to do with what you said in your piece. Hmm. But but again, that's the thing. I mean, there are like different shades of no. I mean, you know, like if somebody says no to a case 
and after an hour or two they proceed with that. That's different from like forced oral rape, which happened in Mahmoud Faruqi's case. So um, I, I, I did not watch the TV debate, so I cannot say what they were trying to get at. Hmm. But I think in such, I mean, especially in a country like India, where the knowledge around sex is so limited, even like most women don't know what they are doing. Sure. It's it's important to keep the consent in mind. You know, the, just the level of comfort. Hmm. I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear. So, I mean, I don't agree with you in the way that, you know, like um, anything after, so, okay, I'm not sure if I'm making any sense here, but anything after no is, has to be dealt with a certain level of nuance. Right. That sense, I don't agree with what whoever the TV person said, but I also don't agree with you because somehow in your piece, it seemed like you were in a sense defending what the Faruqi judgment said. I actually, although that's not what the piece was about, but I will say since you brought it up, I do defend what the Faruqi judgment says because when you read the whole judgment, which I did at the time, this uh-huh. whole line of feeble no can mean yes was, it was not a line by itself. It was in the context of the proceeding. We'll put a link to the judgment and maybe we can highlight that bit below the safta. Uh, so I do actually agree with that judgment. And uh, there were, you know, a couple of pieces written on that. I think Outlook carried a piece after he'd been convicted the first time that how it was a wrongful conviction. So... Yeah, I mean, although that's not what the piece was about, but yes, I do agree with the judgment, Shayani. Okay, so then I don't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Thanks. because, uh, well, I did not read the judgment, I will be honest, but forcing oral rape on someone who's clearly not, or oral sex on someone who's clearly not comfortable and is giving enough hints to that person, and they were friends, mind you, they were friends, so they would understand their body language a lot better. It was not with a stranger. So when he's, when he clearly sees that the woman is not comfortable, but she's a friend, so she goes on with it, in that scenario, he should have stopped it right there. And the fact that he did not, the cl- amounts, I mean, it amounts to a sexual transgression, in my opinion. The clarity um, of consent or refusal here, uh, Shayani, that you're talking about actually is not the case. The facts of the case were that uh, her deposition in court uh, also said that she faked an orgasm. She pretended to have an orgasm because she was so afraid because the Nirbhaya case was on her mind that she thought that if she doesn't look like she's going with it, she could get physical harm. And what the judges were saying was the guy cannot be expected to know that what's happening in your head and that's how you faked an orgasm because for him, you're enjoying it. That's what the visual, uh, sorry, that's what the visual and the audio cue is. The audio cue is, you know, sound effects or moans of enjoyment and she says she was faking it because she was scared because in her mind that was playing now after that there was a piece written about the importance of verbal consent that men should get used to it and they should expect that and only that I agree with that piece Uh, you know that yes I think we've come to an age where now there should be clear verbal consent only then do you move forward this feeble feeble no but in that particular case the feeble Mm -hmm. no was in context of her having also said that she made sounds of enjoyment because she was scared of if she doesn't what would become of her the violence that may follow and honestly there's no way for Mahmood to read her mind on that um, but didn't she make a discomfort very clear at the beginning before all this transpired oh uh, well, well that's the thing that it's not in in the i mean as the facts of the case uh, you know were presented and as the uh, depositions that took place it wasn't uh-huh. so clear and there again i think our personal bias has come in Maybe, Shaini, to you, that was clear based on what whatever evidence we have. Uh, for me, I, I don't see the clarity, but uh, Swati, please come in on 
these but three things. But it is also very generous discussion because a lot of men will agree to you with you, and a lot of women will agree with me or True. anybody else because that's how we see the realities. Exactly, the realities which is which is why which is why I agree with the piece on clear verbal cues and verbal consent being the necessity of the day. I think and we got we need to move. We need to move to that direction. Swati, could you come in on on both these? So, having not read the judgment, um, I, I I don't. If the underlying rationale of finding him not guilty is that there was no way for him to know, but then to also say in the same breath that sometimes when a woman says no, she actually means yes. I don't think you can separate the two, right? Uh, and there are also certain judgments on um, again not having read only having read coverage of the uh, of the judgment that uh, in certain social circles or people of a certain socioeconomic status or of, of a certain lifestyle. Um, when women, women of this kind of lifestyle, when they say no, they may not actually say no. So I, I don't actually s- see how you can separate the two. Also, I think you run the risk of sort of letting men off the hook for for stuff like being sensitive to verbal and non-verbal cues, or just asking outright, you know, are you uncomfortable? So you're setting the bar really low for what is expected of men in a in a situation of intimacy. Um, regarding the Al Franken thing, again, I'll confess, I was under the impr- assumption that he quit after, um, not just because multiple. of the picture, but then there were multiple <coughs> allegations that came his way. To be honest, I don't know what the proportionate punishment for that. You know, it's a really complicated situation. So h- how do you peg, you know, if you, if you, if you, if it's one g- bum grab, you get this. If it's two, you know, how do you, how do you, there's no scale that you can build for this. Um, but I think when, when, one of the things we risk doing when we talk about these things is that we overestimate the cost of the punishment which is borne by the man or taken on by the man. And we underestimate the cost that is incurred by the woman and several women. Now, if I have to go into a workspace every day where for I have to face forms of humiliation which my male colleagues don't have to face. If I have to constantly on be on my guard about who's going to touch me, where and when, that affects my engagement with my work right. and that may lead to career decisions which will take me across a different path. It may be a better path but that's a decision that similarly placed men don't have to make. So I, I think that cost is, doesn't really enter the conversation when we say oh, but he's really a good guy and he did this years ago sure. and, you know, so now why are we punishing him for this? Right. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. happened so many times in science because of, um, I mean, there are so many times when an older professor has been alleged of uh, misconduct in the lab and people just brush it out by saying that, but his science is so good, you know, as if that should sure. be a reason to excuse him because he has an established career and he has contributed so much to the sciences. So, yeah, I agree with Swati that the And if I can just add one more thing, like you made this distinction between when you are older, you are more self-assured, so then you enter, you know, sort of a situation of intimacy with like, yeah, with clarity or you you just know what your boundaries are. Uh, But when you are say 15, 16 or whatever, when you're in that later adolescent stage you don't I mean I think that's a rather patronizing way to speak about young people I mean I think we need to I, I, we need to encourage women to young women to in to acknowledge the discomfort that they instinctively feel they're feeling it but it's just for years you're telling them that various forms of discomfort uh, or inconvenience that it, uh, uh, is, that's exactly what it is it's an it's an inconvenience and for men um, young men you need to you have to raise the bar for what is expected of them 
in their interactions with members of the opposite sex and members of like various, you know, just people who don't look like them, right? Sure. So I think that's, I think we need to revisit that because that's sure, like they are at a developmental stage where they're still figuring themselves out. But I think they're capable of a lot more than we're giving them credit. For. Yeah, I'm sure they're capable of a lot more, but I definitely don't think they will have the clarity of a 40 year old, which was pretty much the average age of all the panelists. I did write a short piece in the print um, and I had some friends, uh, women who, who actually texted and said that they agreed with me, but they would never articulate that publicly because uh, the environment isn't okay. I, I definitely do think that no matter how uh, evolved we get as a society and we train our young and teenagers on the boundaries and sense of entitlement or not and when to say yes or when to say no uh, and when to stop, it's never going to be the clarity because nothing beats experience. Uh, no amount of teaching beats experience. If you've been in 10 you know, intimate situations, your 11th one is going to be a lot more sorted and guilt-free, uh, you know, offense-free, and everything else free than maybe your first where you know all sorts of confusing uh, you know emotions you go through so i think that will stay um but yeah maybe we can expect more from from the young i i agree with you on that so uh, any closing comments come and show any but before we do that show what exactly is it that you do what what does your job um, involve so i am a medical writer in a medical communications agency okay and uh, we work with pharmaceutical companies to maximize the messaging around their drugs or medical devices to healthcare professionals uh, via peer-to-peer education programs. So like content designed for healthcare professionals, delivered by healthcare professionals, but the content and strategy is made by us. Policy, okay, I see. And uh, how about you, Swati? What exactly is it that so um, so I consult on some research projects related mm-hmm. to education. Um, so these are related to one is related to fiscal policy in education. One is related to um, you know what are the gains that people with vocational make vocational training make in uh, on the job market um, because there's a lot of investment into skills India etc. So just trying to unpack like do these people who take this training stand to gain anything on the job market? And another project is related to parent engagement. Um, So when parents engage with schools, when they come into governance positions, as they are required to under the Right to Education Act as members of school management committees, what does it do to schools? What does it do to them? What does it do to learning? Stuff like that. So um, I'd like to come to Shayani since you're here before we wind up. And if you have any closing comments, feel free to give them. But Shayani, after Swati, I'd like you to tell me what you think of this outbreak in Kerala. I mean, since you are in that space. And um, yeah. Swati, um, what do you think of the Delhi government's education policy in Delhi? You think it's 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 uh, all that is being made out to be, or is it a lot of halabul about nothing? So the the project that I'm working on is actually on um, studying uh, parent oh. participation in Delhi government schools. Oh, I see. Okay, so um, how's that coming along? Yeah. So the thing is that uh, we have very strict kind of guidelines on what we can say and not say without okay. consent. <laughs> Of the government, <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd I'd rather not yeah, if I if I could not. Sure, play, please, you can sit out, yeah. no problem. Yeah. Shani, um, on this bat thing that 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 uh, heartbreaking story of that nurse who died while caring for that you know the first victim of what's what's the disease called? Um, Nipah virus. Nipah virus. virus. So yeah. I mean, do you want to weigh in on how big a deal that is? Should we be worried? Should on visit Kerala? Should we not spread needless panic through the hafta? <laughs> Just today, I started reading some reports. Hmm. I think personally, I have faith in the Kerala government's healthcare system to contain this virus to Kerala. 
And I was, I mean, as heartbreaking as the nurse's death, nurse Lenny's death was. Yeah. Uh, uh, they made a very responsible decision in cremating her very carefully. It was very sad that her family members were also not allowed to pay their final respects. But but it was for their own protection. Yeah, yeah. So taking such tough decisions in such sensitive times is certainly something that I applaud Kerala government for. And uh, yeah, I don't know if this is good to say on a public platform, but in a way, I have more faith on the Kerala government to contain this virus and the situation than I would have been if it was somewhere in UP, maybe. Okay. Just because of the vast difference in healthcare quality between the two states. Right. But yeah, I'm also like just like now reading about it. Okay. So. Well, uh, Yogi ji won't be happy. On gender, do you guys want to do closing comments before we wind up this special segment of the hafta? Can I just thank you for like asking questions which are not related to gender? Because I don't know yes, whether you I did that did. deliberately. Because I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that you don't just have to bring women in to talk about gender stuff. No, no, stuff. no. Of course not. Since you are experts in your subject, I thought I must extract. But thank you so much. Uh, on that end, um, we will record the rest of the hafta today. But this hafta will be. Especially long because of the wonderful inputs. Uh, Shoyoni, thank you so much for joining us. If you have any closing comments, please shoot. Uh, well, I'll just repeat what I said. I'm, I'm like I'm a big fan of Hafta, and I said that a lot of my decisions on topics that are not well versed with come from what Hafta members have to say, and therefore I think that any Hafta should be a little more responsible in how they uh, discuss gender matters and if possible just bring in more women you know on your panel to discuss gender matters if not just Manisha and Madhubati you can bring uh, the young reporters from uh, like Cherry or Nidhi or maybe from other places so yeah I, I would like to see a little more of a women representation of the Hafta panel especially when it comes to gender issues and and other yeah, issues yeah. as well you're right you know actually uh, Shayani this has been such a wonderful experience Shubham is Sticking his thumb up. I'm hoping he's not asked for thumbs up, but is actually saying that's a great idea. Uh, but I think what we should do, Shubham, is that because of this wonderful experience, I think we have two very, very uh, articulate guests, uh, better than many reporters we've had on the Hafta for sure. Uh, so uh, we should just uh, dip into a pool of uh, subscribers. We have such brilliant subscribers. All of them at the least 10 degrees more than the rest of the panel combined. Okay, Madhu and Raman sir have degrees, I don't. So, we combine. So, maybe um, we should do that, you know, uh, if we are not getting adequate representation from the journalist community, we should dig into the subscribers community. Uh, so, thank you both uh, for your time. And, um, well, we hope to have you again. Sure, please. Sorry, sorry, I just had to have the... Second last word hmm. on this. Um, so, um, uh, just to pick up where Shayoni left off, which is have. I mean, she's too kind. I don't. I don't think this is a choice between. Please try to have more women on the panel. I think you have to. Um, and, and and I don't think this is a, a. You know, this is not a question of having more women. This is just a question of having, not having so many upper caste men on the panel. You know, um, we are, you're barely scratching the surface when it comes to inviting women, and it's not just there is. I mean, the way News Laundry is that you have a Madhu and a Manisha who can come onto this. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a legacy of how News Laundry came together. But you exercise discretion every week in who you choose to invite in terms of guests. And that pool is so skewed towards men. So I don't know why that is. And I think you need to look at that. 
Um, and uh, if, if it is a criteria that you need to be of a certain seniority in journalism, then I think you need to revisit that criteria because you're not, it's always going to be the same kind of person. And I think uh, it, it's one thing to expect people to police their views or police each other's views when it comes to you know any kind of identity politics. But a lot of that gets solved if you just have more di like a more diverse set of people discussing something. Um, and I, subscribers is a good idea, but what you do is you do media critique. Right, so you need um, media professionals. You need media professionals to do that. Like you need media professionals to weigh in on their reading of the event and the way that the you know that event was covered in the media. Um, and women can do that too. So you need to like throw your weight behind them um, and just yeah invite sure. more. Sure. So like any uh, responsible leader, I will uh, uh, blame Shubham for the <laughs> panelist selection. <laughs> no, <laughs> but Shubham, we have to be. A lot more careful. Uh, my response fault entirely. I was joking when I said I shall blame Shubham for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you so much, um, Swati and Shoyuni. We will lean on you some other time uh, for another session of the Hafta with the full house, hopefully, if you guys have the time. Because uh, I think this has been uh, a very, very good discussion. One of my favorites, actually, on the Hafta. So thank you, Shoyuni, and thank you, Swati. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. So now coming to the oath-taking. Uh, so you start. The oath-taking was... Do you remember a film called Das? I've not seen it. You haven't seen it because it wasn't released. What <laughs> happened with it was, it was, it had, at that time, these were the top stars. Sanjay Dutt, Ravina Tandan, Ye, Wo, Anil Kapoor, I don't know who this. I think I called Mukul Anand was supposed to make it. And, yeah, and there I was think a, it's a Chetan Anand film, right? Chetan or one of yeah. the Anand's. And it was like, yeah. Ura de tere hosh bas das. And it was shot in Afghanistan and promos, shomos, and then he died. So the coming together of the entire top stars of the film industry was limited to a promo. Film kabhi bani nahi. So I, when I saw like everyone lined up, uh, you know, anti-BJP this thing, I was, wh what do you think, what do you make of this alliance? No, on the lighter side, yes, I mean, you can say all these things, but I see the significance of, you know, gathering on the, using that platform hmm. because the fight was very very uh, you know uh, they fought it well both yeah. the parties the bjp tried its best to form the government they couldn't and the opposition they wanted to you know send a message for 2019 that here we are the united and i think uh, this uh, bsp leader she Mayavati. she met uh, Sonia Gandhi. There's a very cute picture uh, of them doing head to yes, head. Yes, that's, that's the picture that everybody is talking about. Yeah. And that's the picture which is talking about 2019 also. Hmm. And and uh, coupled with, uh, you know, Rahul Gandhi's statement. So it all looks pretty, but there is so much that is dissimilar in all these parties. Absolutely. How? When it comes to political interest, if you want... See, if, if they, they're individual, all the parties, they come together. That is what is happening here also. See, is, 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 the, is, the, is the question of their survival. Film will be promo or will it be Film will not be so easy. Because everyone will be same platform. All will say, my role is less. My opening scene is less. My closing scene is less. Yes, but it will happen. Because it's survival. It's a question of survival. Anand, what do you make of this? Also, sorry, if I could say, I think the governor, do you think he should resign? Vella, what's his name, sorry? Vala, Vala Vajubai. See, there are precedents in the past also. The governors have behaved that way. Sabte Razi. I mean, if you think morally, yes, he should. But no one will. But now, now, it doesn't, it's no longer sensitive. Your sensitivities have also, you know, gone blurred. Anand, on both the questions, film banegi or... 
रेजिग्नेशन होनी चाहिए देर टू पर्स्पेक्टिव इन विच दिस डेवलपमेंट्स कैन बी सीन फर्स्ट से वॉट थर्टी ईयर्स और फोर्टी ईयर्स डाउन द लाइन वॉट इज़ द इम्पोर्ट ऑफ द डेवलपमेंट्स इज फॉर स्टूडेंट्स ऑफ इंडियन पॉलिटिक्स हु कैन लुक बियॉन्ड द कंटेम्प्रेरी नेरेटिव वॉट द कर्नाटका रिजल्ट सिग्निफाइज आफ्टर कमिंग ऑन द बैक ऑफ नॉर्थ ईस्ट रिजल्ट इन द इलेक्ट्रोरल साइकिल दैट अपार्ट फ्रॉम द कांग्रेस विच हैड प्री इंडिपेंडेंस इंडिपेंडेंस रूट्स ऑफ इट्स पोलिटिकल लीगेसी आफ्टर इंडिपेंडेंस भारतीय जनता पार्टी हैज इमर्ज एज द ओनली ट्रू ब्लू नेशनल पार्टी and uh, mm, that is a singular achievement uh, means uh, it is the only party after independence which can claim to have presence and uh, cadre expands uh, over india hmm. so uh, the mm, uh, you can say the elevation of national uh, of uh, bhartiya janata party as the only post independence national party is now complete with uh, uh, emergence of its single largest party in a southern state of, uh, now the oppositional space oppositional space uh, it had been predicted that 2018 would be all about 2019 the fate of political journalism in 2018 is that uh, it is uh, uh, kind of a tinder which is preparing a script for a date in 2019 mm-hmm. so uh, all developments would be seen in that perspective and uh, um, as raman sir said that uh, survival is a question but it would be less problematic for parties which are less cadre based and more personality driven because they would follow what the leader would say mm. but parties which are more cadre based and which are in direct competition with a, uh, another party which they are now aligning with will find it more difficult such as uh such as say ai dmk or dmk hmm. so ai dmk and dmk are more personality based in this hmm. uh but they are very strong cadre based parties also yes yeah they have a cadre as opposed to like a आप और ममताज पार्टी दे आर द वन मैन पार्टी इवन बीएसपी हैज बीएसपी इज बट बीएसपी आर दे फेयर एज कार्ड आई मीन विदाउट माया इज देयर बीएसपी लाइक इज इज अ सोशल ग्रुपिंग यू नो वेरी स्ट्रांग बट यू नो आई आई वुड से बोथ बीएमके एंड एडीएमके आर एग्जांपल्स ऑफ वेरी स्ट्रांग कार्ड बेस्ड पार्टी यू नो व्हिच इज व्हाई द कोर वोट ऑफ बीएमके डजंट स्लिप बिलो अ सर्टेन थ्रेशोल्ड एंड दे मैनेज टू स्टे रिलेवेंट बिकॉज़ ऑफ द वेरी स्ट्रांग
strong likelihood of this coalition kind of staying together and being able to fight the BJP unitedly or will the BJP very easily be able to break them? No, not, not like it's going break to be them, but uh, they usually fall uh, under the weight of their own contradictions. Mm, as you say, so, with the uh, 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 1989, the National Front uh, experiment, or in, um, in mid-90s, the United Front experiment, they fell under the weight of their own contradictions. Uh, so I mean, The first thing is, I mean, after... Since it's a question of survival, mm. the permutations and combinations which are going to emerge now is going to be very interesting thing. You know, I mean, all these opposition parties, how they're going to unite right. and use it, you know, the best way to beat BJP. I see. So um, I just thought, I mean, I just like to comment on the coverage of this issue. Um, I mean, it's not very predictable, but I think uh, like Anand was saying, 2018 political mm you know, journalism, I mean, not necessarily journalism, but news mm. is going to be more all about two, 2019. Absolutely. Um, the way um, the, uh, you know, I, I especially would like to talk about Rahul Kamal, you know, because India Today's TV is not seen as like the Republic or Times. Now who are out and out, they don't even pretend to be sensible, forget non-partisan. Uh, you know, they say, oh, look at the government, Mo, keep Modi out at any cost. The you know coalition of the crooks or you know whatever shit they'll kuch bhi pehle dete hain wo. But the way Rahul Kamal framed it is 2019. What would you rather have, stability or a khichdi sarkar? As if those are the only two options. Binaries. Yeah, yeah I thought it was interesting at how this you know is positioned, and it uh, it says a lot about um, how how uh, news kind of completely warps the framing of a of a discussion. But I just like to move from this uh, on to. I have a couple of points to make on this. Sure. Uh, you know, um, telescoping everything, every municipal election or a state election to 2019 is a very unique journalistic, uh, you know, self fulfilling prophecy. Right. Uh, uh, you know, you gave the example of Rahul Kanwal. Mm. I think I, I, I think this is several instances of uh, journalists here in the South, you know, which mm. you, you know, the, under the national radar, you know, in the local press, mm. where, you know, they're obviously ideologues. Uh, aligned to some party or the other or they yeah. have uh, very overt sympathies. Hmm. So there is an effort to spin this uh, election result hmm. as some kind of victory for Rahul Gandhi, you know. Hmm. It's absolutely amazing. You know, Congress has got a good old walloping. And, hmm. you know, it is being spun as a Congress masterstroke and, you know, a personal victory for Rahul Gandhi. Hmm. So, you know, these these kind of, you know, this kind of... Hyperbole. I think it will intensify as we get closer to 2019. Right. And which is why it becomes very, very difficult to trust anyone or to, you know, uh, you know, pehle, uh, pata lagta tha ki, you know, journalists se poochte thai ki hawa kis taraf chal rahi hai. Haan. Now it's a pointless question. You know, because... It's time, now you know, the question is, aap kis taraf ud rahe hai? And another point about this, you know, coming together of all these, you know, disparate groups, uh, you know, um, Anand mentioned about uh, them collapsing under the weight of their own contradictions. You know, it is not just egos and contradictions, but also the, the social base of uh, several of these parties are very, very diverse and inimical. You know, mm. for instance, the JDS and Congress, I'll give you the example of Karnataka. Mm. Uh, you know, although they have come together now, but the JDS's, uh, you know, vote bank is predominantly Vokaliga. You know, it's a Vokaliga caste party. Okay. And the Congress... Uh, has 
you know uh, is supported by other obcs and the kind of social tension that exists within these groups uh, on the ground it, it you know they can't be in a long term alliance you know mm. their, their their social base would not agree to an arrangement like this right i so see it's complicated it, it, it doesn't work very seamlessly you know ki dais pe aa gaye aapne But for me, the most dramatic coming together was of uh, Mayawati and Akhilesh. Uh, I'd say that those two on the same stage, laughing, smiling, greeting each other. I think it 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 became possible because of Akhilesh. If it was yeah, Mulayam, it would have surprised me a lot. Yeah, but Akhilesh, I think. Uh, yeah, I think the the, the bad blood haan. that was there. Okay, uh, if you could just come in on this one now. What's happening in the firings in Tamil Nadu, Vivek? Yes. you know it's um the numbers are going up um this just for our context for our listeners this is a copper smelting plant it's apparently one of the largest in the country it contributes heavily to the copper that is actually made uh it is owned by vedanta enterprises a very controversial anil agarwal who was the adani of his time like the way adani is these days ye kar sakta hai wo kar sakta hai that type vedanta had pretty much sponsored every show on every channel and they were that niamgiri hills was vedanta only na that that it's yeah, a yeah. so, it's a bauxite mine the yeah. bauxite mine and now this um, plant is wants to increase capacity and uh, has i've been informed by cherry that today it has been ordered to close uh, the tamil nadu pollution control board electricity has been disconnected but um, a lot of people died now uh, there there's video evidence of cops telling each other at least one should die as they sit on buses and like ah, snipers they're they shooting the top of the buses and so clearly they had every intent to do grievous damage and there been rather insensitive remarks by the bjp spokespersons on air about the firing uh vivek could just put this into perspective why is the bjp defending the cops cause they can wash their hands off and say ye to state ka galti hai hum hum hamara kuch lena nahi hai why are they batting okay, first for first of all first of all all natural resource companies per se will be controversial you know all businesses in extractive industries will court controversy and they'll spend a lot of money uh, to get policy makers and public opinion on their side right that apart you know this um, uh, you know this bjp spokes people you know mouthing off what they what they did uh, on this it's not very surprising at all you know this has been the narrative the party is building you know through its uh, whatsapp groups uh, and its social media messaging in the state you know, i was very surprised that i was having a discussion with my father exactly on this and and he was parroting the bjp line of uh, you know the church and the sort of breaking india forces coming together and how tamil nadu would soon turn into a kashmir uh if these people were allowed to run amak hmm. so you know they've been very successful in peddling this this narrative and uh, you know obviously the state government is uh you know wants to be in the good books of the central government so i think they will do their bidding and obviously this is you know police insensitivity and and hamfistedness at its at its best but wouldn't um i mean i would think that on the ground when people die like what happened in shingur which is pretty much catapulted mamta into a different stratosphere before that she wasn't you know such a significant name um on the ground when you when people get killed it leads to huge resentment even strategically 
why would it be smart for bjp spokespersons to i kind of back up that kind of killing because I, see the bjp actually has really no stakes in the state you know so mm. uh, their irresponsibility or insensitivity would have no consequences you know okay electorally they not they, making they, these are probably you know they they not even seen tutukudi on a map you know <laughs> so i you know i can understand their insensitivity because it has no consequence you know they can they can say anything to anything on national tv to deflect uh, uh attention and the bjp is peddling through the anna dmk and as vivek says i mean anna dmk wants to be in good book of the central government i see so so but like i think that. that's a very interesting thing that vivek said any you know extractive industry will always be in uh, in controversy uh, which makes you wonder at um why you know companies that have a very clean kind of reputation and and the positioning in among regular people don't get into these industries i uh, is it because they want to stay out of it what, what do you, you think know, of the fire uh, tatas are an exception tatas have a relatively clean image but they mm. are in natural resources right do they and have a very small part of of their business the tata no, empire tata is also not so clean i mean i've done stories in the past yeah but in the sense the relatively call, speaking call, but relatively relatively, yes. relatively there among there have been allegations against uh, uh, tatas and the birla you know for mm. I, I, when i was with open magazine around 2009 mm. i i did a story on um, you know illegal mining in orissa mm. and uh, documents showed that every company large or small operating in that area uh was culpable you know there was doc- documentary evidence available for for uh, how they were overmining you know and how right. they had encroached upon uh lands that did not come in the ambit of of mining you know they were encroaching upon forest land forest yeah that so that's it, actually it happens. It happens. that's a recurring uh, theme across yeah, a lot of mining operations anand what do you make of the tamil nadu um, you know situation of uh, these no. protesters being fired upon Now, before that this natural resources so mm. um, the perception starts when we conflate uh, natural resources with public good mm. and uh, same with uh, news business that uh, whether news business is just like a, say a potato business or it, it is a, a public good mm. so natural resources uh, when equated with uh, public good they, they uh, elicit this kind of reactions and uh, the scrutiny is generally more rigorous than any other business right so uh, second uh, i don't uh, to have much details about the firing mm. but i would like to see the dgp report what were the exact circumstances in which they fired mm. because uh, in a classic uh, corporate versus uh, protesters situations mm. the journalists <coughs> then generally turn into activists mm. so uh, because it's a kind of uh, ideal recipe for activism Hmm. so uh, i will see all the stakeholders reports what dgp says what was the immediate prov- provocation why sop was not followed i feel yeah. that i mean whatever reports which are going to come the firing there is a fundamental principle that all the police forces have to follow in our state that even if you even such a situation comes you need to shoot them you know under the belt and here the person has been shot in his chest okay so so this is something which is just not acceptable i mean i don't know i mean i okay i mean let's wait for the report 
but i don't think uh, the police uh, can you know legitimize their claim that why did they kill 13 people there whatever the circumstances uh, then one quick point on tamil nadu and sure. you know, the political situation there uh, you know while you know this is not to uh, whitewash what has happened or uh, in any way you know uh, side with uh, the police brutality now but the truth is that tamil nadu has become uh, you know the protest central of the country uh you know it, it it is also because of the political vacuum that exists in tamil nadu where every player every political player is trying to extract mileage from everything you know mm. uh, tamil nadu has it has become a serial protest state you know every industrial activity in the state is now protested you know be it hydrocarbon uh, extraction plants or you know copper smelter or the kudankulam nuclear plant or a neutrino plant or the jallikattu you know so everything has to become a televised protest and there are obviously political vultures who want to uh, make capital out of this uh, it's a fairly worrying trend for me that uh, you know nothing no business can be conducted in tamil nadu without protest well no business is conducted in india without access <laughs> but uh, but uh, i'd like to just uh, move on to a couple of emails i want to read before i read the email uh, this is the last time i think that i'll be reading out emails of non subscribers or people who don't want to tell me who they are because we will we are only answerable to our subscribers so yeah so if you uh, want me to consider your email write from the email id that you have registered when you subscribed and identify yourself so we can check if you're a subscriber and only then will shubham include your email in the hafta this one is by anonymous I love you guys so I'll just get to the criticism why aren't you doing video of the hafta you are losing the youtube battle with the wire are you even trying to compete you have way better talent recently the hafta has not been behind the paywall please fix it otherwise i find it hard to justify subscribing hafta used to be up to 2 hours now you finish it in 80 minutes please consider going back to 2 hours please include more media critic in the hafta do more research offer an awesome seems to have better research in my opinion has recently been better than hafta abhinand has cut down on his humor in the hafta whatever people say You are the life of the hafta please go back to normal. Okay anonymous fan please in future tell me who you are even if you don't want to read it out I won't read it out but I have to know you're a subscriber and you can trust me we don't reveal our sources. Well we are going to do more video uh, haftas so yeah but going from 2 hours to 80 minutes actually hafta right in the beginning used to be just 1 hour then there were so many of us with so many things to say that we could never finish it and us it went up to like 2 hours. then that was a bit too much so then we tried to pull it back to like one and a half that's why otherwise i mean i personally think 80 to 90 minutes is a good time i find 2 hours too long but i don't know the rest of what do you think right and tell us shubham let's get get a view or maybe we just put out a poll for our subscribers what do you think is a good time for hafta one hour one and a half hours two hours would you listen to the whole thing i think that's that's a good way of getting getting some feedback I'll just read one more mail before we carry on. This is by Ashwin DNL panel. I would like to discuss something said by Abhinandan in the last hafta. Abhinandan seems to agree with some western commentator that values such as rationality, distrust of monarchy, secularism, etc. known as enlightenment values are essentially western in nature. I would like to challenge him on this. First rationality or reasoning has been part of all tradition in the world. Well, A Ashwin you're starting off by straw man argument. I haven't said what you have said I've said. so there's no point arguing against it what the commentator i was referring to said that america and this he said in context of trump becoming anti immigrant anti diversity and all sorts of other anti free speech 
said that those kind of things were the values that America embodied and a definite rejection and the one thing that he was hinging this on was the rejection of the monarchy so it wasn't rationality rationality is too broad a term so one foul straw man argument anyway i'll continue reading firstly rationality reasoning has been part of all traditions in the world in india we have philosophical texts where people argue about the correct sources of knowledge proof praman such philosophers include buddhist thinkers like dinang and dharmakrit jain thinkers like omaswati and thinkers associated with the hindu schools like nyay literary meaning rule of method of reasoning one can also find commentaries by islamic philosophers like avicenna on aristotle and on plato etc in which such islamic philosophers comment and build upon the theories of the greek philosophers second if one reads the arthashastra cotillard does not endorse the divine right to rule for him a king should be a philosopher and well educated especially in the science of antviskil meaning critical thinking one needs to know that ancient india has had proto democracies like lichavi and also the role religion played in india and also in the also in asia in general was very different as compared with what churches did india never had an institution like the church which would dictate each and every aspect of people's lives religious rules were different in different parts of india in some parts women were allowed to hold property were educated were free to even books like manusmriti had lost relevance in the medieval period as more dharmashastras had been composed by then as ambedkar noted the value like equality fraternity and brotherhood are also indian in nature and have been propagated by the likes of buddha ramanuja basavanna kabir etc hence i would say abhinandan was being hysterical in the last half when he agreed to the western commentary regarding western values but i do agree that still in many parts of india we have feudal structures and here lies the failure of the indian of the indian left as they have been unable to come up with alternative ways of living for the masses the indian left does not want to see india as a replica of america but have no other model for development to put before the indian public liberals would make fun of diplab dev for his outlandish claims that no liberal would ever write on the history of real science in india also please bring back clothes line awful and awesome episode with anand vardhan as one of the host ashwin um respectfully i think most of what you've said is complete shit sorry that wasn't respectful but i must say that you know this whole thing that actually if you interpret our kings and what arthashastra said or if actually interpret what manusmrit actually is not saying this i don't fucking care what they actually saying i know even in today 2018 go to rajasthan or go to the parliament house there are many people who call themselves kings you go to their including mr sindhya you go to gwalior he is treated as a king this is a legacy of the indian state as it existed in the past you've said in many areas women were allowed to hold property well thanks yeah but in many areas they weren't in fact most areas they weren't in most areas they were treated as cattle and they still are in many parts of haryana and punjab my father's land so throwing in nyaya and dharmakriti and pramasena and umsavati and all that shit does not change the fact that the va- liberal values that america was founded on we are so far from them as we are from putting a man on jupiter so sorry bro i honestly think this is other than being a straw man argument a really lame defense okay now let's get to the fuel price hike and on this i'll also just like to request anand to weigh in on a subscriber last week or the week before last had requested his view on the iran uh, deal being called off by trump and how this would impact the world and uh, many people are kind of saying that has to do with the fuel price hike and now with iran sanctions looming large Russia has also cut down oil production to push the prices up and inconvenience the world. Uh, so first things first, 
I so many people have tried to explain this to me. I have read many explainers. I have seen videos. I still don't understand how companies are. We are told that fuel companies and refineries make losses, but the Reliance refineries, the oil, is one of the most profitable companies in the world. Can someone explain this contradiction to me? How are they making money year on year if oil refiners are always in the red? How is that fucking possible? Why does Reliance Industries continue to do so well? So I I don't get that. Can Vivek Anand can anyone explain me this paradox? See, this is this is uh, you know you know it's so it's not uh, all that straightforward. You know, which is why Reliance is a very large uh, you know uh, backwardly integrated company. Right. You know, where they hedge hedge there, but they they just don't refine petroleum. But you know they make polyester. They are probably the largest sure. manufacturers of plastic products. Yes. Which is again you know a byproduct of refining products. Yeah. So uh, they, you know when the oil prices go down, they obviously their their profit margins would come down a little bit, but they they more than make it up with the diversification of their business. So you know it's 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 not just pure oil coming in and refining it and selling and making. Sure, money. but that is a very oil large oil. part of their like the entire when the Jamnagar refinery was set up, it was the largest grassroots refinery in the world, and it was the largest investment in a single location in India ever. Yeah. It yeah. was. I mean, what Reliance, uh, the the telecom company today is, you know, the biggest thing to have happened to them. That was what the oil business was back then. So the sinking, like today, if 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 Geo sinks, Reliance is finished. I think they had a lakh and a half, one and a half lakh thousand crore or debt or some shit on that. I mean, Reliance will sink if Geo sinks. Back then, Reliance would have sunk if the refining project sunk, but it didn't. It did really well. But you know, fuel prices were still controlled. How did they do well? I I've never understood this. But anyway, uh, on on this whole petrol price hike, it is clear that there is a political um, push uh, price to be paid on this. Otherwise, Amit Shah is too smart a guy. Unless something is really going to like damage them, he doesn't even acknowledge its existence. He's never acknowledged the whole, you know, that many allegations that have been made. But this, he held a press conference. He said, "We are looking into it. हमारे कार्यकर्ता जो सरकार में हैं इस पर दबाव डालेंगे ये वो." You've reported on the economy for Economic Times. But before we come to Vivek, Anand, could you just weigh in on what does Iran have to do with it, if at all? And do you think um, it would be advisable to cut the taxes on it because almost 50% of the price of the pet of fuel, petrol and diesel is tax? No, Iran has a, a kind of crude oil. Its extractive technology is very old, and there are very few takers for the kind of crude oil. that uh, iran uh, exports india is one of them and uh, india is one of them and india indian refineries indian refineries are equipped to process that kind of oil so uh, i don't think uh, the withdrawal of us from the iranian uh nuclear deal has much to do about it in fact there are commentators who who have suggested that it's beneficial for india in while bu- while business because uh with uh, the return of sanctions they can always say that we are one of the few takers of your while you don't have many suitors So, so reduce uh, the price. So, uh, so uh, they can. Uh, they have India has uh, sometimes uh, emphasized, and Iran has accepted a barter system. They uh, sometimes India does not even pay in cash. Mm. 
mm-hmm. so uh, uh, that and that is one of the things that uh, it ha- it has to have uh, least ramification on oil prices the um, us withdrawal right. from uranium okay. but do you think uh, it they will reduce prices the government and should they cut taxes so that it becomes cheaper i in two three things i don't have never understood that uh, why does uh, uh, is a government credited or blamed for doing something that it can do hmm. so like uh, reducing prices hmm. or building hospitals hmm. or doing this if it is such a good political uh, investment that people would be happy and you would hmm. be in power why doesn't government do that or does not do that why why so gadkari uh, uh, made so, a statement acha uh, no? yes i said that it is directly linked with the social welfare schemes okay so the, the tax uh, and, and, uh, abhinandan just one point on this you know oil price hike hmm. you know it wouldn't have hurt us as much if the government had passed on the benefits hmm. of uh, low global oil prices Yeah. uh to the consumer but that you know? never happened at that, at that time the government was very greedy and it was you know uh, trying to bridge its fiscal deficit by uh, uh, keeping prices higher than the global averages and uh, you know it fattened its own coffers it would have been better if it was you know if the government had passed on the benefit then and then the argument would make sense that look now the prices are going up so you know you will have to Uh, right. pay up for it you know the mistake lies in the fact that it was greedy and didn't pass on the benefits when the prices were low hmm hmm uh, anand you want to finish your thought on that before we move on no that's all that's all. okay raman sir what is your take will will they should they reduce the power no i i feel that uh, gadkari today he said he linked it with the global prices hmm. so i would say that when it is one taxation system in our country hmm. which is gst hmm. so why don't you bring petrol also under gst and uh, and stop you know charging uh, and this uh, center and state taxes and since they are four slabs of gst keep it in the essentials wala slab uh, so i'm not i don't know whether slab. i'm uh, but what i read I'm, i'm again i don't know whether it is right hmm. but uh, the if we link it to the global prices hmm. uh, the price of petrol comes to around 31 32 rupees so the rest are the taxes so i think they can easily uh, decrease if they want to okay i'll read another couple of mails before we move on to the last two things that you want to discuss and i'll quickly read out two more mails this is from arvind thyagarajan episode 172 was disheartening here are the reasons madhu was being extremely casual in making remarks about the judiciary and the cgi on who was picked for the midnight bench that ruled on the Karnataka floor test considering the judgment went against the BJP does she concede that the bench might have been fixed at the behest of the congress one expects somebody senior to be a little more careful in making these passing comments i waited for somebody in the panel to burst the bubble on goa and manipur but it took a presser from amit shah today to do it in both states even though congress was the single largest party it did not stake a claim to form the government how could the government write a party that didn't even stake a claim uh, again arvind you are wrong on this uh before anyone could stake any claim and that is what amit shah was being credited that they acted so fast although they had 21 mlas or you know 7 or 8 mlas short of what congress had they cobbled together coalition and quickly went and told the governor we have the numbers so what you're saying is because there's no cut off time right that you have to claim it the same day you can also go this, the next day and in fact that is what bjp was being credited for that they acted so quickly before congress could act so sorry to burst your bubble bro but that's not what happened 
you are making up facts how could you write a party that didn't even stake a claim you're being disingenuous to your audience with these glaring omissions uh, i think arvin you're being disingenuous by how you are interpreting what happened do take positions but don't leave facts out of the discussion my sentiments exactly not just nl have not seen any media house issuing a clarification on the difference between karnataka and the two states well actually because there wasn't much and i have said that septerazi in 2005 acted in a partisan way arvind if you genuinely believe that the governors in all these three states acted in a completely rational fair and bipartisan way you know a uh, news laundry is offering a lottery for a million dollars you just have to send me like 10 lakh through a kenyan route and uh, you'll you'll get a million dollar lottery so i think you might just believe that true madhu is glowing in a praise for arun shori i've seen her interviews of him in the recent past but she never questions him on the u turn from being a bhakt himself back in 2014 to his positions on the government today his book is doing poorly today probably because of what madhu actually meant if you are somebody who is really worried about where this country is going you should read this book the country is in safe hands thank you hafta continues to be in safe hands so is there a question or is there a comment i'm not sure but thank you so much for your uh, email i disagree with you as you notice but keep them coming in thank you for sharing your view now sneha menon writes dear news learner team getting introduced to news learner was like a reawakening of sorts that cup of strong evening chai when the day long office ac has turned your brain into a slushy snowball i'll keep writing in the future so i'll get straight to the point for now i have the following suggestions the app please do something make it work better yep yep on it sneha really on it hafta honestly i listen i enjoy listening to hafta because there's a homely feeling of having a serious come fun discussion with your friends it's almost like i know you guys and i'm enjoying the whole last spent thanks i mean we are not very polite friends but you know friends are like that i hope you people don't mind and take it to heart when i'm a little let's say harsh with my pushback but i expect nothing less from you you can you know push back even harsher happy to get that but i think the stall there is that's where a small problem lies i i'm noticing a small tendency to deviate from actual news reporting or debating to merely airing opinions i feel sometimes other others don't come prepped when you say statements like the other day someone told me or i read somewhere that isn't the whole point of news run to report facts and not hearsay i would feel much better if you give accurate sources like where did you read this and what was the genuineness of the source that told you such and such thing you're right i think we try often but yeah i think we can do a better job of coming prepped i usually try to have all the links open when i sit on hafta and i provide the links below to whatever sources i say but the ones that are yeah i mean i i i, I agree with you i get what you're saying i think this, that's a good point i've noticed this is a minor trend and not as every single time type issue it is important that we take the conversation forward on hard facts cha i agree with that to abhinandan please slow down don't eat your words angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte becomes a slurry sing songy poem where you rush through it same with when advertisers pay advertisers served all i can hear is a human static advertisers what khor okay yes point taken sneha i'll try to talk slower with enough pauses rounding my words and eating my ease but yeah you're right i sometimes uh, i'm told all the time you eat your words no one knows what you're saying these are the catch lines and editorial slogans be proud of it say it slowly and clearly firm and regular i didn't do a word count i'm guessing feedback is more important to you guys than the email length thank you and do thank you all and see you around i'm a subscriber not a mufat khor thank you sneha i think most of your criticisms are very valid i agree with most of them we shall try to come more prepared 
and I shall try to make sure that I don't eat my words in future and only eat toast and peanut butter sandwich which I sometimes eat just before the hafta because I get serious sugar cravings. You don't need to know this but I just thought I'd share it with you because we are friends discussing politics and peanut butter after all. So before we move on to the last two, uh, you know, on Trump's withdrawal from the Iran deal, other than the, of course, oil price aspect that you've discussed, Anand, you had been requested to give your view on what other implications this has. What do you have for us? No, the Indian dimension about uh, the oil I discussed. Hmm. So the second is that uh, in the Indian dimension is that uh, India uh, is working on the Charbahar uh, facility with Iran. And uh, it is uh, also an opportunity that India can keep both U.S. and Iran happy by uh, saying that uh, it by actually selling that facility for uh, the American use or for facilitating it because that gives an access to Iran uh, via Afghanistan minus Pakistan. Hmm. So that, 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 that could be one of the things. But yes, now coming back to the withdrawal. Now, actually, uh, uh, it was uh, the joint comprehensive uh, plan of action. That is what Iran deal was called, which popularly known as in 2016. And uh, why uh, mm, would one say that uh, it's a kind of a surprise uh, is something beyond my comprehension because Trump had uh, made it one of his poll promises yes. that he would withdraw it and people were waiting for it hmm. and uh, giving his hawkish uh, policy on Iran it was waited and uh, the deal itself was P5 plus 1 plus Iran, that is the five uh, members of the UN Security Council plus Germany plus Iran. Hmm. Now, you, with US withdrawal, what we are left is now P4 plus Germany plus Iran. And P4 being China, France, China, UK, Britain, Russia. Russia. So, uh, this. Now, with the effective withdrawal of uh, U.S., what would happen is that uh, given the dependence of uh, European countries on U.S. in terms of business, uh, even they would be very constrained to do a lot of business with Iran. Say if Iran buys Airbuses and its engine is, uh, uh, they are dependent for its engine from U.S. and a lot of uh, European companies, whether in infrastructure, oil, or um, uh, say finance, they are uh, uh, they have huge stakes in U.S. So uh, even uh, if uh, they may throw some goodies to Iran or do some sweet nothings with Iran, in critical industries, in critical exchanges, they would be constrained. So they will have to withdraw purely for business reasons. So that is all thing. In Iran itself, the second stakeholder. Now, uh, one of the criticisms of the uh, uh, deal was that it didn't ever affect the missile technology of Iran. Only the nuclear technology. Uh, only nuclear, and those missile uh, those uh, missile development programs were nothing without nuclear warheads. 
सो इट वॉज अ काइंड ऑफ एडमिशन दैट इट वॉज नॉट अ वेरी एम्बिशस डील देर वेर देर वेर प्रॉब्लम्स विद द डील एंड ट्रम्प ऑल्सो वॉन्ट्स टू सिग्नल दैट ही इज अ वेरी टफ डील मेकर टू नॉर्थ कोरिया टू नॉर्थ कोरिया बिकॉज ही वुड गो फॉर अ डील एंड बाय बी ड्रॉइंग फ्राम फ्राम द डील ही इज सिग्नलिंग नॉर्थ कोरिया दैट आई एम अ टफ डील मेकर एंड ऑल्सो आस्किंग ईरान टू improve the terms of the deal if it wants to engage again so uh, uh, from us term. now iran itself in iran itself you you see that there is a deep state which was uh, uh, happy with sanctions also Hmm. because uh, it allowed them to monopolize yeah, monopolize sure. uh, uh, with withdrawal of deal all sanctions withdrawn so uh, it's so it gives it became an even field a political bugbear to huh. a hate object the us because after this deal was drawn in the iranian parliament there was Huh. you know debts to, Debt to america and so so uh, the deep state in iran they were happy with sanctions also because uh, it uh, with sanctions they had uh, a kind of monopolistic control that who, uh, who uh, and on the anti america uh, opinion uh, that's how they hinge yeah. their position and also uh, in business terms now with withdrawal of deal it was that that's why you uh, they were not very happy letting every iranian to deal with business while oh. business because uh, and that's why you saw in last two years iran uh, so hopping from one economic crisis to another so but, but i will say this one is the surprise on uh, trump withdrawing because you know he had promised repeal of obama ke he has never do that and it's unlikely he's going to be able to do that so that's abandoned the wall is unlikely it'll come up so he had promised a lot of things that are just not going to happen hmm. so this was possibly another of those things especially now kim jong make all of the 12th of june summit in singapore i get my you know views i i watch a couple of international channels uh, cnn being you know one where several american commentators come and say that if you you know back off from a deal that a previous president has made your credibility is finished so then the incentive for anyone to make a deal for you is actually less so th- rather than this give the you know signal to kim jong that he's a tough deal maker the signal gives is dude doesn't mean matter what deal is made they can change their mind two years down the line and that will disincentivize him from making any deal i think that the sanctity of international law has always been very low and very suspect because big powers toy with international law right so you want to weigh in on that uh, vivek before we move on no i have no views on this All right. So, uh just at the end I'd like to discuss this um case of uh actually two things briefly if you guys can give your view. Uh, actually there's not much view to give. I just think this is uh, under control. I thought we'd discuss this in the hafta. Um as you heard, we had a health expert, a uh, public health expert telling us that it's all under control and Kerala has actually handled this very well. but this virus that moves from bats to human beings i've i never understood how it happened i was told it happens through bat droppings and you know a bat eating a part of some fruit or vegetable and that getting contact finding its way into your kitchen um but about this rohingya case of these uh, 100 hindus being massacred by rohingya militants um i just you know uh, want um, is is there any um Raman sir, you can just start on this. That has there been a muted response by big media on this massacre? Um, 
far less than the outrage over the massacre of the rohingyas on you know by the by the buddhist uh, janta you th- you think there is some merit to the criticism that when hindus get massacred it's 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 a more careful criticism no and by any standard by any stretch of imagination 99 persons getting killed irrespective of the fact whichever religion they belong to yes and rohingya i mean in case uh, if they the refugees who are staying in delhi if their houses get burnt or small thing happens so we 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 have articles after articles on that right so why not on this yes we sh- hmm. it should But be reported well and not only massacred the women uh, were spared who co- decided to convert to islam Hmm. so uh, that was also a conversion angle was also there uh, i think uh, the backlash is more because uh, people initially uh, failed to acknowledge the when um, there was alarm of secret graves hmm. and uh, mm, uh, it was rubbish that 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 couldn't happen this that in in indian media and uh, that has been now repudiated by an authentic report that Yeah, I think also there is a design to it. I mean, the overall design, the polarization. So many Rohingyas are here in here India. In India. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea is to polarize them further. They should, the Hindus should go against. I mean, this is the larger design. But yes, when it comes to reporting an incident, the ground reporting that I'm talking yes. about, it must be done. But I think that also depends on the accessibility of the place, right? Yes. It's, it's a, Vivek, that is. If you want to comment, do you think there's been a difference in how this was reported and how the other uh, out uh, you know the kind of injustice against a, a muslim rohingya muslims is reported but well, the, the funny outcome here is that the right wing has fallen in love with amnesty international <laughs> <laughs> after cursing them all their lives <laughs> that's yeah. the best <laughs> yeah, i think it's uh, fairly widely reported and uh, you know there is a lot of uh, uh, you know righteous gloating in the right wing uh, sections of of social media and media hmm. you know oh hum hum na kehte the pehle hi ki ye you know in log ko mat andar aane do you know that kind of hmm. i think to um, uh, to juxtapose this and that you know and tie this to uh, you know allowing uh, hapless uh, rohingya refugees into the country hmm. uh, in refugee camps i think i think that is pernicious yeah i think that's what happens uh-huh. one one kind of kind of overlaps the two issues and that that becomes you know, a little problematic you know, they they're probably the most persecuted uh, ethnic group in the history of the world hmm. you know absolutely state, stateless people living in uh, indescribable conditions you know i i i, I think we would we, we would have failed ourselves if we let this incident color uh, you know our perception about the ability to help people in distress mm. the idea is only to color us right so before we wind up uh, everyone please come up with your recommendations for the week mm. um anand your recommendations for the week mm, okay see one of the uh, one of world's most loved cricketers uh, retired last i mean yesterday so uh, sachin retired no, long ago uh, no then oh, ab de villiers okay so, i have never heard of him so, so uh, <laughs> uh, he is one of the uh, foreign cricketers who who was actually cheered in india really how <laughs> so, old is, how old is he 34 and oh okay yes, that's so, too young uh, mm. and he's is good batsman so yeah. uh, I, i i in 2016 he had penned his autobiography ab 
and uh, he had actually uh, busted a few myths about him that uh, people said that he played rugby and hockey for South Africa. Yeah, so he mm. said that, yes, I played till a level but not uh, represented Nationally. the mm. national team and uh, uh, and lot of halo around him and he has written it very honestly so just as a tribute to the man uh, you can read AB an autobiography 2016 second uh, as uh, Sumitra Nandan Pant uh, so uh, one of uh, the doyens of Hindi poetry and one of the pillars of Chayavad so uh, it was his birthday last Sunday. So uh, if you f find time, you can read his poetry. That's all right, sir. Uh, see, the dogs had mauled fourteen, I think, children, hmm. mostly the children. Yes, in Kerabad. Correct, I read. Uh, so NYT has done a story on that, and uh, I don't think the narrative is very strong, but still uh, the. F the thing that they came up with, uh, you know, from the ground, it's a ground report, mm. that uh, there was many slaughterhouses in Kerabad, mm. which is near Sitapur. So these slaughterhouses, uh, legal or illegal, they have been closed down. And the dogs were used to eat, uh, you that know. Meat that, that used meat that they used to throw out, raw so, meat. So, so they did, when they didn't get the meat... They started. Uh, they become hunters. Adam Khor Kutte. So, so it's a lovely angle or lovely story. Interesting. Uh, but yes, I still feel that the narrative would have been much, much better. Mm. Uh, but still, I would suggest this All right. story. Vivek, your recommendation? Yes, um, uh, I, I've been reading a lot of Tom Wolf, uh, you know, after the news of his passing away. Yes. So I, I, I reread his brilliant takedown of the New Yorker magazine called uh, Witchy Tickets. Um, this is this is part of his uh, collection of uh, journalistic writings called Hooking Up. Hmm. So I think I think uh, it'd be a great time to, especially for journalists, to uh, reread Tom Wolf. All right, thank you for your recommendation. I would like to recommend what was recommended to me by subscriber Remya Sasindran. It's a piece. It's an old piece uh, which she sent to me from 2012. This article has been sent to me about uh, gendered words and hysterical. So is the at least its origin the etymology is hysterical is gendered because it comes from latin hystericus of the womb so yeah that's that's what i would uh, recommend so thank you panel and congrats again vivek we look forward to your second part of kaveri dear subscribers and listeners do contribute generously for the NLCNA project so we can send our wonderful reporters that this country has to many more ground reports and not just sit around at hafta panels pelowing gyan like we do. <laughs> Thanks, Vivek. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Raman. you. Thanks, Thank you. And in closing, um, I'd like to close with this song. It specifically goes out to the police force, the one institution that I think is the vilest I have ever heard of or come across or dealt with in my life. Just these two lines are specially dedicated to you. Goodbye and good luck.
the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.